I remember feeling like utterly overwhelmed with this baby. We help to like catch some of the stress from the parents and they can talk to us about how they're feeling. Hi, I'm Laura Nielsen and welcome to Hope in the Deep End. We've put together this podcast to inspire us all to keep working in areas of deprivation and poverty. We're sharing best practice, stories, outcomes and some interesting thoughts and ideas. So whether you're working in primary care, secondary care, the charity sector or any of the other myriad of roles, please listen and help us to keep each other inspired. Hi, welcome to Hope in the Deep End podcast. I'm here this week with Jen Davies, who is a clinical psychologist and we are going to talk about infant parent issues and attachment. So hi Jen, so tell us a little bit about yourself, what's your role, who do you work for? I'm Jen Davis, I'm uh, trained as a clinical psychologist and I work in a GP surgery uh, running an infant parent service which works with families through pregnancy and up to age one and I'm funded by Shared Health Foundation to do that work. So I had a bit of a meandering um, journey into psychology, did a few different things, um, worked in teaching, did some research work, but always knew that I wanted to work with families. Um, I ended up finding out about the clinical psychology course, training in that, and all of my work that I did there, the favourite things I had about it involved families. Um, So after qualifying, I went and worked in various different uh, services and I was really drawn to the very early stages of family life. So people during pregnancy and with little babies, what was going on for them. And I think a big part of why I was drawn to that work was I felt like that's where you can make the most change. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked, don't we, about the importance of the first thousand days. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit about those thousand days? What does it mean and why is it so important? Well, we we now know how much neural development, how much brain development happens within that period. And we also know how important the environment that babies find themselves in is to that development. Um, So really, it's just a crucial time to kind of set the foundation for the rest of life. And the more positive interactions that babies have with the people around them, the richer the neural network and the better outcomes they have in terms of like social stuff, language development, emotional development, all areas. Yeah. So when we talk about positive interactions, what does that look like in like real life? Okay. That's a really good question. It's, um, I guess what it is, it's about when babies try and communicate their needs and they do that through lots of different ways. One of the classic ways that we see is crying, but they do it through other ways as well. Then they're trying to let us know what is going on for them. And if we as parents or other caregivers are able to have a good guess at what they might be trying to let us know and respond to them, then that enables their neural network to to develop so that the positive responses is about us attending to a baby when they're communicating their needs. Yeah. And that's quite interesting because it used to, there used to be sort of a lot of thoughts about um, you can spoil babies if yeah. you respond to them too much. Whereas we now know that's not the case at all. It's better to try and respond as much as you can. Even if they carry on crying. Yeah, yeah. And that's the really tricky bit. Even if they carry on crying, sort of try and stay with them um, when they're crying. And obviously we know it's not possible for for any of us to do that all the time. Like sometimes we have to look after ourselves first Mm. and take a little bit of a break from it and then come back to it. But generally, if we can stay with them and help them figure it out, that's the best thing. So like positive interactions with babies is not, it's it's about... um, is it about presence and being and um, kind of understanding rather than money or activities? Or So you don't have oh, yeah. to have loads of toys or you don't have to have loads of 
stuff. You don't have to be in baby organic carrot club or something. No. Do you know what I mean? But so, so it, yeah. it is about that interaction rather than the kind of stuff we have. Absolutely. If we think about when we're born, what babies need to survive. So they'll need food, they need warmth, they need to be protected from danger. And the only way they get any of that stuff is through a person. So actually, babies come out wired to connect to a person. And that is absolutely the most important thing for them, rather than the stuff around them. Um, that is what helps with their development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always amazed when I like pick up a baby in A&E and they can be like eight weeks old and they're gorgeous age, aren't they? Yeah. And then they just look at you deep into your eyes, don't you? And then most of the time they smile. Yeah. Like, like they, they really want to engage. And if you kind of talk to them even a little bit, then they do that whole like, ooh, oh, cooing thing back. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it's amazing. I've never met this baby before. They don't know me. I'm not going to meet them again. It's that little interaction just as an A&E doctor. And I just find, I just love it. But yeah. they're just, you can see how they're wired for connection they they want yeah. eye contact don't they they want like they do. facial expressions they're absolutely looking for it and there's some lovely video footage actually of babies just seconds after they've been born the parents stick the tongue out at them and if everything's gone well with the birth and everything the baby sticks the tongue back out oh, wow. and it's it's mind-blowing because somehow that baby has understood that there is a tongue being stuck out in another face, that they have a face with a tongue and they can copy. So it's just, it's incredible, I think. It's a lovely, it's a lovely interaction to see. That's really, that's really cool. The other thing actually to mention about that is that is sometimes actually, because babies are different in terms of how much they want to interact with people as well. And sometimes we can get really excited, like you were saying, yeah. and, and we can like want to keep playing the game. But when they're very little, they don't have a huge amount of tolerance for that. So they yeah. can do it for a certain amount of period and then they get tired and they need to look away. So sometimes we have to rein in our excitement about it as well. And let them be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, we're all like that, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> very true. So that's so that's really cool. So we've you're looking at um, particularly about women and families that maybe interactions are more tricky or there's more pressure on them. Mm. So um, we all know that being a parent is really difficult. I don't think I've yet met a parent. Yeah, there's the odd one that's really smug that says their baby sleeps through the night <laughs> and is like joyous. But most of us go, yeah, it was a bit awful, really, and yeah. it was hard work, and I felt out of my depth and. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've told you before about my wonderful firstborn who was mm. not a delight. Mm. Um, and so, but you, can you tell us a bit about the infant parent service that you're piloting? And this is just one approach, isn't it, yeah. to working with babies yeah. and families. But like, what kind of families are you looking to support? How does that happen? And, and tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um so to to pick up on what you were saying, um, I guess about it not being easy, that's so true, yeah. I think, for everybody. And so this service is actually a universal service. So it's in a GP practice and it's designed to be accessed by everybody. Because even though parents, being a parent, like, can bring huge amounts of joy, it, it brings a whole load of challenge with it as well. Mm-hmm. So we offer this to everybody to help them think about that transition into parenthood, to help them think about baby's development, Um, and to think about the relationship they want to have and a lot of the work that we do um, where we spend more time with families is where families have had difficult past themselves so they might have had some traumatic experiences in their own life growing up it might be that they're living in poverty it might be that they're homeless it might be that they've experienced injustice like racism so additional things that make that already tricky parenting task even harder 
And what we try and do is provide a space for parents so that they can talk and think about that. And we use various different techniques with parents to help them process some of the stuff that's going on for them. And another important part of the work that we do is also trying to work with the systems and organisations around families Mm -hmm. as well to try and create change. So if there's an issue, for example, with people in temporary accommodation, we'll want to write to them to try and help them provide a better environment for that that kind of family. Okay. Yeah. So as someone who's not a psychologist, I never quite know how you guys work your magic. Does it kind of... Mm. So it'd be really interesting to kind of think about that a bit more so when you say you've got some things that you help people process Mm. I remember feeling like utterly overwhelmed at this Mm. baby it just did not sleep it did not stop crying it it was I was quite young it Mm. just felt awful to be honest and I I obviously have all those emotions of being like massively sleep deprived I felt really guilty I did love the baby but Mm. also slightly resented the baby and all those kind of emotions Mm. so I find it really interesting that you're like actually there's things we can do to help Mm. people understand what they're feeling can you talk a little bit more about that yeah so there's various things what I was thinking about as you were talking about was the concept of containment Mm -hmm. and because when babies are struggling to understand the world as they do they've come out from this lovely warm place where all their needs are met and then they come out they express distress and they can get overwhelmed and then as a parent we can get overwhelmed with Mm. it as well and so the idea of containment is that we help to like catch some of the stress from the parent and they can talk to us about how they're feeling and in doing so they kind of pour some of that stress into us so that they've got more space to Mm. sort of deal with the stress that the baby brings so that is a general idea that goes across all of our sessions that we provide a safe space to talk about the different stuff we know that a lot of narratives out there that parenting is wonderful if you look at social media Mm. you look at you know anything it it kind of gives an image of parenting Mm. that is not a reality um for most people i'd say probably all people you know we we tend to see the the kind of the best versions of experiences on there so there is something within that of normalizing what parents are going Mm. through as well and saying you are not alone with that what you mentioned there, sort of saying, you know, yes, you love the baby, but also actually you felt a bit resentful mm-hmm. of that baby. Totally normal as well. But we don't tend to say that to parents. So that's a big part. That's one of the big things that we do that is psychologically helpful, sort of saying this is a normal thing that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Something else we do is help babies to help parents, sorry, to think about what their babies are communicating. So we've got a tool that's called a newborn behavioural observation which is used by lots of different professionals. But what we do is we sit with parents and we watch the baby together. And we start to try and understand what are their preferences? How do they communicate their different needs? What do different things mean? And the gorgeous thing about doing that is as well as parents often learning something new about their babies, they also discover how much they already know about their babies without knowing. So it helps to boost Mm. parents' confidence as well as help increase kind of their understanding of the baby. That's really interesting. That's Mm. really interesting. So I... With my lovely blonde-haired screaming banshee that I had, I um, read, remember reading lots of books at the time, because it was a few years ago now, but there was this book about routine, and I remember reading the book in between everything, 
and then started the routine. And I think by about six hours in, I was four hours behind <laughs> schedule. Mm. And I remember being like, this isn't going to work. But also then feeling even more of a failure yeah. that I couldn't get my baby into this routine. That apparently would solve my all my issues. Yeah. And I think when you've got a baby and you're not, it's not going easy. It's really difficult to talk about, isn't it, for a start? And that thing about society says it's all wonderful but also as soon as I, I my memory is that as soon as I said anything to anybody people would either tell me how lucky I was to have a baby mm. or they'd tell me some advice mm. um, and there was one of my relatives who was really um I remember really starkly one day said to me all my all my children didn't sleep very well and for the third one she said um well it must be you if none of them sleep Oh, and wow. I just so that combination as a parent, you're absorbing so much information, aren't you? And I'm just, mm. obviously it's, I, everyone's experience is really different, but I can see how if you're, I can see how having a space where you can say all this stuff without thinking, oh my goodness, does someone think I'm a terrible mother? Are social services going to be involved? Mm. Like, are they going to judge me? Actually, that's really important for parents. I can see that being really helpful. Yeah. And just having a tool where you'd be like, what's my baby trying to say yeah. to me? I'd be like, oh, yeah, teach me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, teach yeah. me what my baby's trying to say to me. And, and that's that's a lovely start. But I yeah. guess an, another bit that we, we do is we think about, well, we, we also talk about how there's advice on everything. Yeah. And there is absolutely yeah. opposing advice on everything. So you could, you know, there's so many ways to parent. And actually the tricky bit is you figuring out what works for you and your baby so I feel like part of what we do is we're alongside parents Mm. as they figure that out rather than say here this is what you need to do it's more like okay what's working what do you find works best and exploring it with them and I think the big part that helps with that is having a good strong therapeutic relationship so I think most of our change happens not because of the tools we use Mm. but because of the relationship we build with the families, I think, throughout the work. We also spend quite a bit of time with families saying, what have your experiences been like? So what do you remember of being parented Mm. or raised, however you were raised? What of that would you like to keep? And what of that would you like to be different? And and parents, there's always something that parents want want to do um, different. And sometimes there's things they want to do the same. And that's all the conscious stuff. But there's also unconscious things that happen as well. And we talk about that. We talk about um, ghosts in the nursery. And that idea is sometimes things that have happened to us, we end up reenacting, even if we don't want to. It's like they've kind of come back from our past and they're kind of being acted out again in this generation. So that's like when you find yourself saying the phrases your mum said. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, exactly. I can't believe I said that. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> but- but yeah. I guess that happens in more ways than just spoken words. Yeah, so yeah. It does. And the and and then I think that can be helpful for parents. Sometimes what we do as well is we do video feedback. So we'll have sessions where we film interactions between parents and kids and we acknowledge that can feel really weird and people don't want to be watched, but actually We've normally built up a good relationship so people trust us by then. And we'll watch the videos back with parents and we'll look at all those moments where there's beautiful connection and we'll think, what is happening there? What is going on for you? How are you achieving that? And then, as again, as the relationship builds, we'll be able to look at the moments that are a bit trickier sometimes and say, can you remember what you were thinking at that point? Mm. And what do you think the impact is there on you and them? And, and that can create great change as well. And I think... I obviously know a little bit about the infant parent service that you are piloting. Kind of 
what's amazing is that it's worked across cultures, mm. hasn't it? And across languages. And mm. so this isn't something that's like, um, you know, has to be in one demographic. Yeah. This is opening up to anybody yeah. really. Yeah. And that I think there's another approach that we use a lot in the service called the Tree of Life, um, which is designed to be used cross-culturally. It's beautiful. It's, it's kind of based on people's stories. And you look at people's roots and traditions and what they want to hold on to and what they're taking into kind of their parenting journey. And I found that a really, really lovely tool to use with people. And as you say, it is across different demographics of people as well, which is really nice to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's brilliant. So you've been based in one GP practice, haven't you? And then going to kind of spread it out to another practice quite soon, aren't we, to see if it works in a slightly different demographic. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you could dream anything for like infant parent, like this service, but also other services that are available, Uh what would you be, what would be your kind of dream that you'd love to have? I would love to have more services like this because I think what this service does, because it is, because it's based in primary care, it's accessible. So often it is Uh, people who pop into the GPs they see us around so they know who we are we just become like Jen who works there Um, and so you don't have the same barriers that you sometimes do accessing other um, services for infants and parents so I'd love it if this was kind of more available in primary care settings um, for different people I think that would be Mm. yeah it'd be brilliant because I think one of the advantages is what we can do as well is we can within one service we can really focus where the work is so if it's about understanding the baby's development we can do that if it's about understanding the relationship between infants and parents we can do that if it's doing more specific parental mental health work we also can do that and often those different things are held in different services Mm -hmm. so parents have to go to different services to access them but we can do all of that work we also can offer couple therapy as well and broader family therapy approaches Mm -hmm. so I think that would be my dream is that we have one service that can meet all of the needs of a family within that perinatal period and I think that's well there's loads of good things in that isn't there we know that trust takes time to develop with people and particularly trust when you're talking about some of these issues and some of these kind of really deep things and vulnerabilities so to be able to do that once and then have all that work that's helpful rather than having to rebuild with a different person and Mm. turn up to a different place just in terms of practical stuff um for other people who are listening to this um you don't need loads of facilities do you we're sat in Mm -hmm. um effectively in the in the gp practice we're sat in their kind of i guess it's their like staff room bit really community room community room it's not very big uh, you've got one board of gorgeous photos of babies on the wall. Uh, there's some art here. Created by the families. Created by the families. It's it's gorgeous. Mm. Um, made of um, paint and uh, paper plates stuck on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But actually, there's nothing special about this room. No. Is it? This room, at other points in the week, is used for staff training and mm. meetings and um, admin and everything. So yep. you haven't got a kind of magic no. menu. And I guess that comes back to what we originally said about this work isn't about stuff it's about 
relationships and interactions so definitely and we've got some little odd bits of toys but it is generally about the relationships as you say and I think the other thing we have this space where families can come if they want to but also we go and see families in their homes if that's better for them because we know how difficult it can be to get out sometimes with 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 babies (laughs) so so we do that as well and we also do work in different settings as well so for example we're linking in with the mosque and doing antenatal session there as well so we try and use community venues as well as sort of the GP practice where we are. Yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I know that this is um, a role that you love. Definitely. Um, we're obviously interested in hearing from other people who do similar work. It would be great to have a conversation. So if you're in a different part of the country and you do something similar but slightly different, like, let us know. We can have like that conversation. And also if people want to like pilot where they are, then we're up for working in partnership, aren't we, to see if we can... Definitely. spread this wonderful Definitely. joy I really wish um, that you'd been there when I had my kids <laughs> and I think that's what motivates some of the stuff that we do isn't it is like yeah is supporting people through that yeah. and you know I was in lots of ways very very lucky um, and I look at some of the families that you look after where you know some of our most upset ladies are the ones that have had children removed before aren't mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. and just seeing your amazing work with them where you see them blossom and you see this relationship with mm. the child blossom and you see the safeguarding risk reduce and mm. the confidence and the defensiveness go and it is really beautiful really yeah beautiful work it is so, um, i'm doing my dream job